Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Shalina Kennedy. Welcome to the Theater Podcast with Alan Seals. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Theater Podcast. This is an all-new episode with Shalina Kennedy. I am your host, Alan Seals, and we've got some great conversation that I'm about to share with all of you. Quick shout out to all of my Patreon peeps who are diligently supporting the podcast. It helps everything happen and uh, keeps this going, so big, big love going your way. Shalina is maybe best known for uh, taking over the iconic role of Carol King in Beautiful the Carol King musical, but she does not stop creating. She's got so much in the works right now that we dive into. And uh, coming out of the pandemic, and of course being a relatively new mom um, of a of a growing youngin, uh, keeps her very busy. But our conversation is actually um, really impressive. She just dives into what makes her tick and what makes her unique, which of course is what I love to share. So find me online, Instagram, threads, Facebook, Patreon, uh, you know, do what you do. Leave a rating, leave a review. They always help share this podcast with your friends so it can continue to grow and we bring you more great episodes. And everybody now, please enjoy this episode with Shalina Kennedy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's guest is known for playing Carol King in Beautiful the Musical on Broadway for over 1,200 performances. She also recently originated the Tony Award-winning role of Dina in the first Broadway national tour of the band's visit. She made her Broadway debut in 2012 in Jesus Christ Superstar, was most recently seen on Broadway in Paradise Square, has toured nationally with Beautiful, originated the touring role, uh, oh, I already said that, and was part of the originating cast of the first national tour of Mamma Mia. She's a singer, songwriter, with her own full-length album called What You Find in a Bottle, has co-written a new musical called Call It Love, and is part of an upcoming release of the world premiere recording of a new musical, that's a mouthful, currently in development called Wild About You. Shalina Kennedy, welcome to the Theater Podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. And good God, on top of all of that, I didn't even mention you're you're a mom. And so... Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> turns out. Turns out. And like... I'm I'm just I'm so impressed with um with people like you who uh you you pursue um the uh, the creation of original works as much as or more so uh uh as the um I guess the auditioning and the daily what we think of as the normal theater grind right the auditioning and the the wanting to be cast in other people's works so I guess that's a good place where uh we can start I guess mm-hmm. like where where and how and did do you split up your focus between um you know joining other people's works versus creating your own and then i'll add to that did it change after covid because a lot of people like reevaluated a lot during that point mm-hmm. yeah well listen, i've always been very passionate about new works and uh you know whether i'm writing them or somebody else is writing them but i just think getting something brand new off the ground is incredibly excited like i just played uh, billy jean king in the new anna devere smith play love all and it's so exciting. I mean, just to be able to be in that room with her and to watch her work and, you know, to work with some of my favorite people. It's just like, that's the part that excites me the most is being in the room and doing the work. And then the run is, you know, it's, that's another animal, uh, at the run of the show, but, uh, but I do love rehearsing it. <laughs> it's really fun. Right. 
<laughs> yeah. I was I was going to bring up uh, uh, Love All as well, which I want, I want to touch on that since you just mentioned it real quick. The extraordinary life of champion Billie Jean King at uh, La Jolla that just ended, right? It just ended July 2nd, I think, in La Jolla. Yes, right? it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, I guess... So when you're when you're doing your the work uh, focusing on um, I mean you've got your album you've got your own uh, your own musical that you're that you're trying to still develop and we can get into that as well and then being part of other concept work like Wild About You which is also in development I mean it's development development so mm-hmm. I guess um, is it easy or easier for you or harder like it ego wise to just show up and say, all right, now I'm going to embody Carol King. Now I'm going to embody Billie Jean King. And, and are mm. you also only choosing roles that end with King? Um. <laughs> yeah. I'm only playing characters who, uh, are real. <laughs> like it's funny because I, I also play uh, Carol Pope in this new musical is Canadian called rough trade, which is uh, based on the band of the, from the eighties. But I mean, it's funny cause I'm like, I, I only play, it seems like characters that are either named Carol or King or a combination of, of, of those names <laughs> and that are, you know, icons. Uh, but it, no, it's, it's wonderful. Listen, you know, you try to take ego out of it if, if possible. I mean, listen, we all have egos and, and, um, it's always wonderful to, you know, to, um, to have your own words and music out there and to hear people sing your own stuff. But I mean, really it's just about the work. The work is the work is the work, no matter where you do it. And, uh, and I just, I just get excited about doing projects that, that speak to me and playing roles that are, difficult you know i think it's 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 i find it a big challenge to get inside somebody's skin who especially who is still alive uh i mean somebody like carol king it's a prime example because you know everybody knows her voice they know who she is and or they think that they know who she is and what they what she means to them and i mean i gosh i used to meet so many people outside the stage door afterwards we're like oh my gosh you know this album was when i was going through my divorce or this is when my best friend and i took a road trip across the country and like tapestry was everything and i i wore out my first album and i had to get another one and like they just are people are obsessed with that woman and her music and 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 i i was too i did i had no idea what a huge fan i was of hers until i started doing the research and I realized just how many number one hits she had. But then, you know, there's a ton of pressure that goes along with playing somebody like that. Uh, same thing with Billie Jean King, you know, that everyone's like, gosh, you taking you taking tennis lessons. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know anything about tennis, but I <laughs> certainly have to kind of pretend like I know what I'm doing. Um, but really, you know, it's it's sort of your ego aside and, and, and just trying to show up and do the best work possible and stay true to the task at hand. Well, yeah. it is when you're drawn to projects are you drawn you said you're 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 drawn to things that are challenging right and and Mm. i guess um are you drawn to or do you find it harder or easier to play real people versus uh, take for example um you know like like the witch in into the woods or or something Mm -hmm. that is it's it's an archetype it's like hey my pretty you know it's like one of those uh, i mean obviously or not obviously but like these days with disney and movies and everything like everyone's got an idea in their head of what mm-hmm. something like that could be and it's a caricature of something or someone that could be real but when you're playing a real person you can't exactly do that so no do you, you, do, yeah you can't no i think it's it's way harder to play a real person i mean just because of the expectations the pressure that you're under to get it right you know like and also you don't want to do it's funny like for um for a Broadway production, you know, you don't want to do a Saturday Night Live version of the person. So you want to yeah. kind of get inside of their bones and do, like, I always think that there's little ways in, you know, the mannerisms that they have or certain ticks that they've got or uh, timber of their voice or the way that they move their body. Um, but, you know, you don't want to sort of do like a an impression. You want it to sort of move organically through you and who you are. So I always say like, <laughs> you know, if on the rainbow of personality, you know, Carol King is like a, is a yellow and I'm a red, well then I'm probably going to be an orange, right? Like that version of my Carol is going to be somewhere closer to yellow on certain days and a little closer to red on other days, but it's always hopefully going to be truthful. Uh, but it's, it's terrifying, you know, cause people love these, these, these women. And uh, so, you know, you just want to, do the best that you possibly can just to, you know, just out of respect for who they are and the the legacy that they've left for us. I mean, I just was just and, at the US Open the other night and we sat in Billie Jean King's mm-hmm. box with her wife, Alana. And, you know, and I just thought like the whole way through, they just kept showing her face and this footage of her playing. And I, I don't think I realized, I mean, you sort of, you know what an icon she is, but yeah. 
And then you see the 50th anniversary of equal prize money and you go, oh no, I actually, I don't think I ever really appreciated how many lives she touched and how she made the world better and how she made everything better for women. I mean, not just in tennis and in sports, but all, you know, ev women everywhere. So, you know, you just want to, you want to do that justice. You're really? So you went through the run. I mean, the, the run that we're, as we're recording this, this is, you know, early September. So us open just happened. So like really even mm -hmm. the run is over and you're still learning more about Billie Jean King at this point, <laughs> yeah. guess, more of the impact. Yes. Well, I mean, there's also, there's a, you know, hope for the, for the future for the show. It's not, it's not over. So, you know, the true, work continues true. all the time. I, uh, you know, I keep, I keep reading things and experiencing things and trying to, you know, keep the education going, the research going. Yeah. Well, that uh, okay. So going back to the, the the second part of my first question about COVID, did that mm -hmm. change your um, I guess your your focus or your evaluation of yourself or where you wanted your career to go? Absolutely. I mean, I think. Oh, listen. I mean, especially now too with with the writer strike, there's just so little. I mean, you know, there's no film and TV right now, so it's sort of like theater is is it right now. And for the longest time, theater nothing was happening. And so, you know, a lot of the stuff went online, but I, I thought to myself, my goodness, what am I going to do if this doesn't come back for a while? Like I was sort of, uh, you know, I was a bit in a, in a privileged situation where I have a house and I had a place that I could go and shelter and I could be comfortably to sort of weather it out. But it was really hard for all of us, you know, especially, especially artists during that time for lots of people, but uh, artists in particular. And I've always wanted to be a writer. I mean, I've been a writer, songwriter for a long time, but, uh, but I, I definitely started thinking you know, maybe I'm going to be teaching more. <laughs> maybe oh, wow. I'm going to be. I just wasn't sure. I mean, I I literally thought about completely abandoning everything and just going for no something kidding. else. But I, but I but I didn't know what I could do. I mean, honestly, this is the only thing I've ever done since I was four years old. So I don't know what I could possibly do if I didn't do this. So it's a little terrifying, if I'm being you know completely honest. That's really interesting because because it's it's just really odd to me as someone i will i will say okay i've never i'll put in air quotes made it on broadway right i've never uh done a role for 1200 performances in on the highest level possible in, in the world for my craft and then but this person you are like you know what maybe i don't want to do it anymore like maybe i can't do it anymore this is it's unfathomable i think to some people who who dream of being where you are and, and I think I want to call just shine light on the fact that even when you're at this level, and I, I say this all the time, speaking of, you know, Billie Jean King and other great athletes, that I think um, Broadway performers are the Olympians of theater. I think mm -hmm. you are the best of the best at the top of your level and you take everything into account. You're eating, you're sleeping, your social life, everything revolves around maintaining your physical presence and emotional stability to maintain your character in your show. So I'm just going to stick a pin in that. And, yeah. <laughs> Unless you, you comment on that if you want. I, I think no, that's you're absolutely shaking true. your head. You're nodding your head during the whole thing. That is true. Yeah. That is accurate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, um, I forgot where I was going with that. Anyway. Well, anyway. So since you were four, that you mentioned that that was this is all you ever wanted to do. So you yeah, well, can you're Canadian, yeah? I am, yeah. Well, it, it's funny because like during the pandemic, it's not that I wanted to stop doing it. It's just that I didn't know if if you know if we would ever reco recover to such a you know to um in such a way that I would be able to do it the way that I had done it before, I guess. And so the stories that we were telling became even more important. So well, if if you know if we are going to do this, and it's especially because the world changed so much, I wanted to make sure that the stories that I was telling and the projects that I was involved with felt, um, you know, that I felt a connection to them and that I really felt like, uh, it's hard though, too, when you're trying to make a living, right? Like you just, you need to be able to make a paycheck, but you also want to be, uh, you know, maintain your integrity as an artist. So it, it's tricky. Um, but yeah, that I have been doing it since I was four, um, to answer that question. And, uh, and I was, I lived all over the world. I was raised all over Canada and Australia and England. Uh, and then my dad moved to the States when I was in high school. And so I spent a lot of time in the States. So, you know, sort of all over the map. <laughs> the arm, army brat, right? Sort mm -hmm. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, so uh, uh, is your dad U.S. military or Canadian military? Canadian military. Okay. Oh, yeah. interesting. So, so as Canadian military, you moved to England and then you, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really go. He didn't go to the U.S. until he went to the War College in uh, uh, Carlisle, Pennsylvania, when I was in high school. But I didn't actually go with him. I just went to go visit him there. Uh, I stayed in Canada to finish out high school. So it was um, it was quite so the life. For, asking for a friend, what's the War College? Oh, it's just where they go and they they train, they study. 
I, lots, I don't really, I don't really I like, know, okay. to be honest. They study war and how to, you know, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm not sure. I, they do a lot more than that. My dad's also a writer. He got a big, you know, award when he was there for his writing. And he's, uh, he's also a big peacekeeper. You know, it's, um, it's interesting because my, my mom was a peace loving hippie and my dad was this army guy and, you know, they got together and had me. And so I'm sort of like, oh boy, those are two very different, uh, you know, uh, ends of the spectrum. Well, okay. Okay. So uh, the peace loving hippie part, I, I want to come back to that because uh -huh. that's related to something else that I want to dig into with, uh, with your son Ebenezer, which I, we'll get to that story as well. Um, going back to four, what at four years old was like, this is what I want to do. Well, I was a dancer. I was like, I want to be a ballerina. I was playing piano. I was singing all the time and I just wanted to do everything to that I had to do with performing. That, that's literally all I ever wanted to do. And then I started acting when I was in high school. Um, and, but I was classically trained in all the ways. I was, you know, a classically trained dancer. I was a classically trained singer. And uh, yeah, I guess it wasn't until college that I learned how to belt or I learned how, I mean, I remember I almost failed my pop class and that was the only class that I almost failed. Every other class I aced and it's because I didn't know who I was as an artist. You know, the the, the wonderful woman running it. She was like, you know, you are, you're playing it safe and you're doing all, you're recreating these sort of, um, you know, Joni Mitchell songs, but you're not really putting your stamp on any of them. Yeah. You're just kind of playing it safe in the shadows and you, you have to take a brave kind of step forward and figure out, you have to flop a little bit and decide who you want to be as a, as a vocalist. And I was like, oh, gosh, I hadn't thought of it that way. So it's funny, actually, because of that advice, I, I really, you know, jumped out of my comfort zone. And then I ended up basically <laughs> the rest of my career was like playing Carol King and doing Mamma Mia and all of these pop shows or these, you know, these rock artists now playing Carol Pope in this Rough Trade concert. I mean, my God, in this, uh, this show that we're doing, it's, it's insane. I mean, I definitely found my rock voice. So that was exciting. Are you, side note, are you, are you tired of talking about the same thing? Like Carol King, is, if somebody's known for something, are you tired of just being asked about it all the time as I'm asking you about it? No, you know, you know what? That's a, that's a good question. People used to tell me all, or ask me all the time if I was sick of doing the show. Like after 1,200 performances, it's a lot. But I always think of, like, listen, playing Carol King was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I, I love her. I love the role. I mean, I got to meet her. I got to sing with her. I got to have great conversations with her. I got to meet her whole family. And so, you know, that was, uh, it's a dream come true. She's a huge role role model for me. And um, and the, the, the biggest takeaway from that is just how humble she is and how uh, she does so much more than uh, than any one thing. I mean, she's an environmental activist and she's, you know, involved in politics and she just, she just does so much for women. Um, the list just goes on and on and on. And she, and she's just one of the most humble, kindest people you've ever met. You know, she'll sit down and talk to you and be quite candid about love and loss and life and, you know, very free with her, her, um, her advice. And I just love that. So no, I never get sick of tired of talking about her. I, I think she's, she's one of the greatest artists ever to, you know, to live. And I, I feel very lucky for all of the things that happened because of, of knowing her and, and playing that role. Something that I, that I have noticed in, in this episode as we're recording, I, I think it's, this is going to be in the two eighties when it's released in the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So I've got almost 300 episodes of talking with amazing people like yourself and talking about amazing people that the people I've talked to, I've got to portray such as Carol King. And this through line that I'm seeing is, again, it, it it's be the best you you can be, right? So don't mm -hmm. it, like your, the advice that you gave that you got from your teacher was you got to put your stamp on it, right? So best that don't be somebody else, be the best you. And yeah. so um, taking that, I guess, uh, in, in into into the into the current sort of uh zeitgeist of of this of this profession right like how often how often are you legitimately trying to uh create something new versus um be somebody else versus do this combination of both of them or or is it always just one of those things where you're like i'm just going to show up and be me and like at, at this point now are you so comfortable with showing up and making a mistake that maybe that mistake is what gets you in the door. Maybe that mistake is what gets you the part. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, I think I, my favorite thing was this, there, there are certain actors who are just known for the way that they do something. They, they are, you know, they're like huge personalities. Hang on everybody. We're just going to take a quick break. 
All right, now we're back. Patty Lapone, okay, like Patty Lapone is yes. unbelievable, and she can play anything, but she's always got this version of like Patty Lapone that everybody knows and loves, like Burnett Peters, you know, like all of these really, um, you know, very famous Broadway stars. And and I guess the thing that I like best is to get completely lost. My favorite thing is when nobody recognizes me. If I come out of the stage door and they're like, "Who are you?" They're like, "Oh my God, you were the person who played that role," and they have no idea that that was me. I love getting lost in in parts and and being completely unrecognizable. Like to me, that is. I love that. It's a job well done. And, you know, it, it's it's exciting. Like, you know, when I played Billie Jean King, like people had no idea. They're like, oh, my gosh, we didn't even know that that was you. And that's what I just love. I mean, I had blue contacts like you, you know, I changed the shape. Of, it just changes everything about your look and my voice changed. And so I just I feel like that's kind of exciting, you know, and um, and I think also when you're to go back to an earlier question that you asked me, um, when you play characters that are not you know, real people like the witch in Into the Woods or, you know, whoever, like Philia and Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. I mean, you get so much freedom because nobody, uh, you know, you don't have necessarily, I mean, sometimes with roles like Evita, it's hard because you've got that Patty Lapone in your mind and so everyone's comparing you to her. But oftentimes with those roles, you can sort of do whatever you want. Like you've got the world's your oyster. You can sort of make, you can make them whatever you want them to be and, and just get as creative as possible. And I always think like the worst thing that can happen is people go, oh, you know what? That's not quite the right direction. Like go further or oh, that's a little too far. Like, why don't you try this, you know, this color? Uh, but that's kind of the point of being creative is like just to throw it all at the wall and see what works. And you just have to kind of be confident and bold and don't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, I think we're so afraid of making mistakes in this world. Like we're so afraid because our egos are so big. We want to be told that everything we do is great. Uh, and, you know, myself included, I have to remind myself constantly that like it's okay to not always make the right choice. Like better to have tried and to have gone all the way and to have to be brought back or have somebody help me change direction than to not have tried. Cause maybe I'll come up with something that's really brilliant or maybe it'll be, you know, funny or whatever. Maybe it'll just be great <laughs> or maybe it'll be terrible, but at least I tried. Well, that's something that, that, that I've noticed too from uh, people talking about their audition experiences. They literally just go in and the people uh, I've heard countless times now that, the it's somebody who who is just struggling and they haven't landed anything and then they go into that last audition they're like you know what screw it like this is it i don't i don't care anymore i'm just gonna ha do this and then i'm gone i'm gonna go be a librarian and mm -hmm. that's the job they book that changes their career because they're going in having fun because yes. they've stopped caring about whether or not it's good yeah you know what i have to say you know and people sort of roll their eyes at me sometimes when i say this but like auditions are a bit like dating and you have to <laughs> yep. you have to flirt a little bit with you know the material and what you're doing like especially on camera auditions too if you're you know if you're auditioning for film tv like you have to sort of treat the camera like it's your like you know it's your sort of secret lover who's staring at you from across the room but also the same thing i found this with uh, I, I auditioned for this off-broadway show called this ain't no disco and um and I just, I just went for it. I made like the boldest choice. I wore these crazy seventies glasses and like this big fur, fake fur thing and like bell bottoms. And I just went in and I was, I was just, a, I, I don't know. I just went like full out 150%. I thought, well, this could just fall on its head, but I booked the job. I mean, I, I just, you know, I did it and I was like, you know, I was super flirty and <laughs> it worked in my favor. It doesn't always work in your favor, but yeah, there's a, there's just a way of kind of like when you're on a date with somebody, you you know, you have to have confidence and you have to kind of always keep a little bit to yourself. Like uh, secrets are always good or like a little bit of mystery. You don't want to like just throw everything out there. You want people to know more. You want people to lean in a little bit and, and you know, want you to reveal a bit more. Yeah, that's what I think good headshot photographers have always told me too. Or, or yes. like, what's your secret? Like, think of, think of a secret. Think of something really fun in your mind yeah. and just hold it there. And that's, and then like, those are the pictures you end up using because you're, yes. you're, you're in, you're feeling something legitimately in, uh, in, in your mind that is then captured. And I think if you can mm -hmm. bring that live, uh, to an audition, that's the hardest part, especially self tapes now. Good God. Oh but my then, God. Like, I know. Yeah. So self tapes are the worst because you don't get eyes to look back at you, at least when you're in person, you have people to look at across the table, table even if they're not looking back at you, you can like feel something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like yeah. the camera is just this freaking piece of machinery and it's reflecting and you're like, I, did, I don't know. I've I know you have to like imagine, it's <laughs> like imagine somebody yeah. really great. <laughs> you, should put, you should put like a, uh, put a little picture of somebody you really like right above it. 
actually that's I've a really good that. idea actually that's an yeah. excellent idea i should i should do that yes print a little five by seven tape it like right above your camera there you go there you go yeah so your next job you book when you're staring at your favorite person think of me there you go or think of the person whatever <laughs> okay so you have a slew of canadian career credits that i didn't even list because we'd be here all day um how often i guess are you located uh based out of new york or canada now or like do you go back and forth how do you i go back and that? forth i'm always back yeah. and forth so like right now i'm in canada like just for a little bit but i'm like i'm literally back in new york like in you know three days so and then back here again so it's just always all over the map what do you prefer do you prefer or is it just wherever the integrity of the job takes you yeah it's just whatever project you know uh, uh i'm doing a, a reading of a, a, a brand new show in in toronto a workshop of at the end of the month called Maudie. Uh, and it's uh, it's a film and they're adapting it into a musical and i'm super excited about that i've been talking actually for quite a long time about doing that so you know that that takes me to toronto and then i'm going back to new york to work on a, a new piece that i've been commissioned to write uh, and, and then, you know, just, there's always just, there's so many, I mean, I guess, and to go back to another thing that you said before, like, I think I was not the only one. I think I, I think everybody came out of the pandemic with a, a renewed sense of why are we telling these stories and like, what is important now? And we keep asking ourselves these questions, you know, with Wild About You or with this other show that I'm writing, like, what, why, why do we need to hear this right now? What is relevant about this story right now? And what is going to make people excited about, uh, about the music and about jumping into these characters? Like, what is it that we have to say? And I think it's important that we do have something to say. You know, you can't just sort of tell any old, you know, dusty story. You got to, it's got to be for a reason these days, you know, and I think that's a good thing. Well, talk about, talk about Wild About You, because that it, yeah. it's, it's still in development and it it had a great a well-received industry presentation back in march of this year in 2023 and then like immediately out of that greenland an album like that coming out of the pandemic one of the great things is is that now we're getting albums and even just straight up concept albums mm -hmm. before the show's ever starting to be staged yeah so, like, well this is this is one of the things i'm i'm most excited about i mean i've been working on this show for the past oh probably like five years my writing partner is eric holmes who's one of the writers on the good fight and he was one of the mm -hmm. writers on smash and uh just a great guy and um and daniel edmonds is doing the arrangement so he and i've been working like crazy on the music but we the show used to be called call it love um so now we've we've retitled it wild about you and you know our we have a fantastic lead producer brian Spector. And he was like, you know, we should do a concept album. And then when we started asking around, I mean, we've got like literally my dream cast of people. Like we've got Jesse Mueller, Leia Salonga, you know, uh, Kat McPhee. We've got um, all of these incredible, like uh, Alex Newell, who just won the Tony for Shucked. I mean, we just, Eric McCormack, Joaquina, you know, from, yeah. yeah, Joaquina, who I shared a dressing room with. And she, you know, she won the Tony last year. She's yeah. brilliant. And I mean, Paul Nolan, Jackie Burns, like the, the list just goes on and on and on. And, uh, and I just, you know, from the time that the first person said Jen Colella, you know, that they would do it, I I just flipped out and it just kept getting better and better and better. You know, Jay McKenzie, Kennedy Coggle, we've even got a child, um, which is really, really exciting. You know, we've got Rachel Gordon, who's a magician and she's been on Broadway and she's just the sweetest little girl. And so we've got our, a child's voice on it for the first time. So, you know, we've really conceived of it as a, as a pop record and it's going to be um, released under, uh, it's going to be, it's a Broadway records um that's the label and michael moritz is uh is the one who's he's uh, won a million awards so it's in his hands right now and he's doing the final mixing and mastering and hopefully we'll release it in uh, october is when the plan to release it is and i'm so excited for everybody to hear it i mean it's just it's literally the most terrifying thing because it's like you've birthed this very you know uh vulnerable baby that everyone's about to sort of look at and judge but you know i think we're also we're confident that you know what we did was was good and it came how, from an authentic place. How does that work? Plus, uh, Lauren Lataro, by the way, love her. Oh yeah, um, amazing. Yeah, directed directed by Lauren Lataro. Um, I, I I I would be nervous putting out a cast album or even a concept album knowing that there was like a, a concrete sort of like um, you know it's. it's being developed now a concrete sort of 24 25 timeline to get it onto stage so putting out all of the music um with a story that i mean does that fix the story does that set the tracks because part of the development process is adding and cutting and changing and updating and blah 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 yes so by the time it gets to an out of town tryout and then the broadway run and fingers crossed 
are we going to have half the songs on the on this album that may may, may be cut is like is, is well, that a, a nervous thing a bad thing a good thing no i think the way that we we've, we've kind of you know designed this album is that you know the, the songs i mean a lot of the songs um are just sort of songs that exist on their own uh, on the album so you know in the show it might be a duet or it might be very very different and so the, we've just sort of taken the songs and we've kind of carved them out and we're just really presenting the music in its um most idealized form right like if we were just going to do the concert it would sound like this with all these big stars and then when people come to see it in the show it's going to be it's going to sound the same but it's going to be different in the context of the show and because we've been working on it for five years i mean a lot of these songs have uh, been on the chopping block already and come back or these are brand new songs that i wrote for for this version of the show and i think you know, what we learned from the last reading is that this version of the show, what we've got now, is working really well. I mean, there will be tweaks for sure. There's going to be some rewrites. Things might swap places. There might be one or two new musical moments. But for the most part, it's going to be what we have. Uh, a lot of these songs have been there and have not changed for the past five years. So I don't imagine that in the next, you know, 12 months, they're going to be they're going to be pitched. But we might have yeah. a few. But that also, that's interesting for people. If they're like, oh, that song wasn't on the album or whatever. It's just like a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. You mean the last five years, but you know, but I'm changing. Right. Um, <laughs> so the uh, being on the other side of, of the, the creative process, right. As a performer, um, who has been the recipient of contracts and negotiations for shows and whatnot. Um, mm -hmm. are you are, being now on the creative side? Are you, um, are you approaching these relationships with your, with your peers and, uh, and whatnot, like the Joaquina and, um, Jen Colella and everybody else who's, who's on the album. Is there any guarantee given their availability that they're going to continue to follow this through the evolution? Well, listen, you know, we, Oh, you mean like in terms of casting it for the, you know, the future yeah, of the yeah, show? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's tricky, right? It's, it really, um, it's made me extremely sensitive to the complexities of casting anything. Like, you know, it's funny, like Jen used to say, it's, um, it's a miracle that anybody gets cast ever. In fact, I think that that's something that Lonnie Price used to say. It, it really, truly <laughs> is a miracle because like to get everybody to agree on any one person for anything is just so impossible because there are so many freaking talented people everywhere. I mean, especially in New York City. Like you could, I can think of, you know, 10 people who would be, I would be so lucky to have for any of these roles. And, you know, like sometimes it just comes down to like, you really love somebody and they just don't work as well with this other person as this person does. And it's not because that person is not good. They're probably all fantastic and you'd be lucky to have all of them. <laughs> but, you know, um, it's just a matter of balancing and you know, mixing personalities. And so I guess it's made me realize that when I haven't been cast in the past, it's probably because I, it's not because I sucked. It's because, you know, like the, the Tetris of it all just didn't quite work. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that all the time. And, and that's something that's still to this day, even, even professionally outside of theater, right. Uh, just business-wise, relationship-wise, sometimes it's just all about the relationship. It's about, yeah. uh, it's about the chemistry. And that's why, I mean, you hear famously about, especially for film, like got to go in for the chemistry read and make sure that these two people even like each other. Hang on, everybody. We're just going to take a quick break. All right. Now we're back. I was on Reddit yesterday reading criticism about Moulin Rouge. Someone who saw it the first time enjoyed the show, but thought uh, the, the people, whoever was the Satine and the um, uh, the Christian had no chemistry together. Right. And so that took them out of the moment. Um, so well, that's it. I mean, you that's bang on. I mean, it's all about chemistry. It's also, also about how you are in the room. Like with a brand new piece, for me, it's all about being somebody that you can collaborate with. Like you, you want positive people who know how to give the right criticism at the right time, um, that know when to sort of just hold back and, and just sort of you know, read the words on the page and, and just sort of let the creative team figure it out. But then, you know, when there, when there are moments that they can give feedback, I mean, you want, you want those minds in the room. And we've been so lucky to have really smart people and talented people in the room, but also people that have great, you know, personalities and that just want the best for the piece. And so that, that factors in as well. I think that's, I think it's brilliant. And I mean, it, again, it's, it's one of those things like be the, be the person that people want to work with the next time. Because that's what's going to make them want to at least call you in to get the audition. Yes. Or, or, you know, like that's the other thing, too, is that even if you don't get that job for whatever reason, probably not because you're terrible, because you're great. But it's just, you know, you're thinking of somebody else for it. Um, 
oftentimes there will be another job that comes as a result. Like I know that there, there was somebody that we had originally who was fabulous, who played one of the, the roles in, in Wild About You back when it was Call It Love, and we didn't move forward with her. But then she ended up getting a job on Eric's TV show. So it's just like, you just never like, you know, because we all loved her so much and he loved her so much. He was like, oh my gosh, we have to use her in the next thing. And I mean, that happened to me as well. I didn't get once, you know, I went in for once and I didn't book it, but then the same casting people brought me in for Carol. And then I ended up booking Carol King. So you just never know how it's all going to work. So you always just have to do a great job. And you, you know, been a, these... you, would have been a, you would have been a great girl. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would have loved to, you know, I was, didn't, but again, it just didn't, it, I, I don't think it's because I did a bad job. It just is because somebody else was more right for it. It just wasn't meant for yeah. to be mine at the time. Yeah. What is it? It's a third, uh, the cliche thing, right? It's a third uh, talent, a third, uh, a third drive and a third luck. I think those mm-hmm. are the three things that make that make you successful. Yeah, so there is a, there is a, a big chunk of that. Um, I I just think this is this is so interesting uh, to go through the process of creating a show. I mean, just being being sort of like I'm I'm in the producing side a little bit now, the co-producing side, and even just being on the peripherals now, it's just it's fascinating to me all the different people, like you said, the the amount of collaboration, coordination, and again. From the creative side too, luck. Like you could have everything lined up and you just don't have a theater. There's no theaters in New York. Oh, that, I know. That I know. You go into. It's crazy. I mean, that's it. Or you know, like yeah, it's so true. I mean, they're just you have to have everybody on your side. It's just you need so much luck to be able to get it done. But also, you know, perseverance because the, I think that also creates luck. If you just, you know, you keep at it and you keep looking for the open door or the little crack in the window, and you, you know, you get in there. So uh, I, I agree with that. Um, rewind a little bit to 2015. You released what you find in a bottle. That, that's your your full length uh, album that that you've released. Is that the that's the only album you released, right? I got my facts right. That is the only one. Yeah. Yes. And and uh, uh, would you do it again, knowing or will you do it again, knowing how hard the first one was? Assuming it was hard, because I certainly I mean, will. Oh my gosh. Well, you yeah? know, I'm such a perfectionist too, and so when I go back and I listen to that album, I mean, it, it was it was I had incredible musicians, and Rick Fox uh, did the arrangements, and we had you know Inception Sound, uh, they were the producer, and it was just it was amazing for the time. But I mean, I have grown so much. I mean, I think it was actually we recorded it in like. 2013 or something or 2012 and so that was a really long time ago that was like over a decade ago and I have changed enormously as an artist since then and I you know I I think I'm a a better singer now than I was back then and you know and and I think that was definitely a timestamp of like who I was in that moment but I certainly would love to to take a crack at you know what things would sound like now being you know who I am now with all the influences that I have now Uh, I would definitely love to do another album maybe in the next sort of five years. I was going to say, what's your, in your free time, assuming you have any free time, what do you like, what do you listen to and what, or are you writing? What do you like to write about now? Well, I mean, to be honest, I'm, I, I have no free time right now. So I've, I'm just sort of writing for these projects that I, that I, uh, that I'm working on, but I, um, I'm a big fan of like, oh gosh, like I went through a big Dan Mangan phase. He's a, he's a buddy of mine and we were working on a show, uh, a two-hander and we actually ended up shooting a short film he and I but he's a wonderful songwriter from Vancouver and he's got a kind of a bigger following now in New York and uh, I just think his songwriting is so incredibly soulful and um, he's such a poet and so I just I love you know going out and looking for these you know these interesting sort of off the beaten path artists yeah, it's it's kind of it's exciting. Like I, I don't know. I have so many different influences, and sometimes I'll go back to like an '80s playlist, or I'll go back to like you know Yonsei or something. Like it depends on what I'm working for. I I I, I can't tell you sort of what I listen to because it changes literally daily. <laughs> well, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah I, I like um, I I like the music coming out of like the mid twenty somethings. I call them kids now because I'm early forties. Uh, you know the, these mid twenty somethings that are that have now grown up with the internet in their pocket and have access to so many influences and so much uh, you know so so many so much access to different styles, right? And so yep. it's coming together now. So I was talking with I was talking with Javier Munoz the other day about um, the concept album he was just part of called My My Heart Says Go, and it was written by this again early something twenties uh, twenty something. Uh, I, I call him college kid, I think. And um, 
and I was listening to this album and it's very much influenced. It's very Lin-Manuel-esque. It's, it's mm. kind of like Hamilton meets here um, uh, next to normal. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's this, it's this really cool combo. And so it's nice now that Hamilton and In the Heights have been around long enough so that people who are young enough to be influenced by that have grown up and become talented enough to now have it influence what we're hearing again. And I yeah. just love this circle coming through. I know. Isn't you know, it amazing? You know, I, I also am really um, inspired by the artists that I work with, too. Like, I mean, I don't know if I mentioned Aisha Jackson. She's doing a, a song on the album. And and it's like it's funny because I, I often write for voices that are not my own. Like, like I'll write a song for somebody like Aisha Jackson and I go, oh, you know, like it's not my voice that I'm hearing in my mind. Or like Melissa O'Neill was somebody else who comes to mind that I'm, you know. Uh, we used to work together and she just has such a cool, you know, gravelly, um, breathy R&B sound. And, you know, so I really, I try to stay, I mean, there are certain things that I think we're naturally born to do and, and maybe other ones that, you know, we should let other people do, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but I do feel like um, being in New York city and being around all of these incredible artists have, this has just changed me as a vocalist, you know, I'm never going to be the same. The time in New York has has, has made a, a huge impression, and uh, so I'm grateful for that. Where do you when you when you're not working, or I guess when it's family time? Because uh, I'm I'm going to bring this back to Ebenezer a little bit. And Ebenezer's not your no, it's son's no, name. no. I know, I know. <laughs> it's funny that you know that because that yeah. was his dad pitched me the name Ebenezer, and I was like, "Are you crazy?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Henry, can we say his full name? Is that all right? Yeah, Henry yeah. Benjamin Kennedy James. Yeah, that's yeah, cool yeah. Part. I just I love that name. It, yeah, when you were you telling a story on um, with Kara Cooper and Jessica Rush on Mama's Talking Lab, and I was <gasps> listening right. to that the other day. Yeah, so uh, yeah, Ebenezer. I was like, oh, that's funny. It, I I would not. I mean, if you call your son Ebenezer, no judgment, but it's not a not a current name. Um, you and this was a couple of years ago. You were talking with them about uh, about Henry, and at the time he was drumming and playing piano. Is he still is, is he still with that? Does he still love that? He still is, although you know he doesn't. He loves live things, like he loves old fashioned cars. He loves um, like real instruments. So he wants to sit down and like play guitar with me, and he wants to he wants to do things with me. But he doesn't like like his little electric drum set that we had in New York. He was not interested in. So as soon as we came back to the house in Canada, he's got his like full drum kit down in the basement, and he immediately went down there and started playing. So he's still very much interested in it. But he's also he's a little scientist. Like he's an engineer. I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to do something in his life with engineering or science. And I literally have zero experience or, you know, interest really in that. I mean, I'm obviously interested because he's interested, but I, I am like, he's teaching me. I am not teaching him at all. He is really smart in that department. My kids just started second and third grade. So they're right at that yeah. age where like their interests are definitely like coming out what they really like versus what they don't. So yeah, yeah seeing, seeing the differences in, I guess they're they're two peas in a pod, very similar, very different with so many things. But the differences in what they like and don't like, um, it's just it's really incredible. But then like younger child syndrome, my little one is like, I think I should like that because my older brother does. But you can tell he's forcing himself to like it just because he wants to be with older brother. <laughs> and it's it's you know I can I can relate to my own childhood being an older brother. My younger brother did a little bit of that to me too, but. Mm -hmm. um, it's just really interesting. And, and I love that you're not, um, that you're letting him be his own kind of, he's following his own path. Right. And even though yeah. like your whole life is art, it's, um, you're, he's still finding ways to dive into the engineering and to dive into science. So well, that's just what I was going to say, like, it's so easy to want to push them into what you do because that's what you know, that's what you love. And, you know, you sort of, I, I just sort of like assumed that he would want to do all that stuff. And he, he does have an interest. And I, I sort of, for, I've always said that every child should at least know how to play one instrument or know a little bit about music just because it makes them a well, a well-rounded human being. And I mm. also think that it's good to know another language. But other than that, like I really, I think it's, it's important to just let them be their own little people because, you know, he's got so many talents that are not my talents. And he's also a really good filmmaker. He's been doing these like stop motion, uh, films and i'm just like where did that come from really? he's really good at it and technology like he wants to learn how to use a green screen and he's pretty amazing <laughs> my, my, my third grader my third grader now speaking of green screen he's like i always ask him because i'm checking in to, to see if this has changed because i'm i don't know if i'm happy with it yet uh i i say what do you want to do when you grow up he's like i'm gonna be a youtuber <laughs> 
oh, oh, okay, okay. So, and then my younger one, because my older one wants to do it, the younger one's like, can we make a YouTube channel today? And I'm like, okay, well, what do you want to record? What do you want to do? You have to, you know, think about what you want. And, and so I'm trying to help them like realize, even when we're watching movies and things, that like we, I, I sit through some of the credits and my older one now is very good about saying like, oh wait, that's the voice of so-and-so. I recognize, like, I forget what we were watching the other day, but it was Idina Menzel was the voice of something. And he was like, that's the, that's the Elsa voice. That's the, that so like Elsa. And I was like, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, it is. So yeah. He's, like, he's picking up on this little stuff. And so I'm like, yeah, there's animators, there's programmers. And now the first live action movie uh, that he watched end to end twice now last week we saw the haunted mansion um disney's haunted mansion mm -hmm. and there's a kid in there uh if you haven't seen it there's a kid he's you know i think he's supposed to be eight or nine i forget um but my son turns to me afterwards and he was like daddy is that a real kid and i said i said yeah what do you mean and he goes well i didn't know kids could be in movies <laughs> i said yeah <gasps> Oh man, of course they can. Of course. And so like this opened up this whole conversation about like, you know, when we see ads and there's all the people, like if you're watching somebody in a restaurant, all the people look in the background, all those people are paid to be there. They right. are there. Well, they're extras. Maybe they're not paid, but they are, they are there because they're hired to do a job. They're all working. And they're like, he, and you could see it starting to unfold in his mind of like, wait oh, a second. Wow. Do you think like, he wants to do that now? Like, does that? I I don't know, but I think for the first time, he's you know stepping out of the animated uh, animated movie box and realizing that there's real people doing real things. Right, right. And, and, you know, and you know, one of the first things I think that sort of clicked was I showed him a picture of me and um, uh, a Hugh Jackman once when I was doing the the carpet coverage for for Music Man, and. And I was like, because he loves Greatest Showman. Both of my kids love The Greatest Showman. And I'm like, look, it's me. It's me in the in the and PT Barnum. He was like, are you famous, Daddy? <laughs> 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 like, nope, nope. Promise you, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like he's finally. The kids are finally starting to connect the dots. Does your Does Henry do that with you too? Does he know like I that that people will know who you are if especially if mentioned by name or or whatnot? I don't know. I mean, there was there was a little while. It was really funny. Like for a little while, my face was all over every trash can in New York City, you know. And yeah. so there was like this picture of him going, "Hi, it's my mom." So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that he really, like, you know. I, I we always, you know, we try to be really down to earth with him and and not to kind of focus on that stuff. So I I don't know that he really kind of clocks it. Although he does he does an impression of me, which is really funny because I have these glasses. And when he was little, he was like. He put them on. He was like, mm, my name is Selena Kennedy and I run a theater and I do this and I'm a choreographer and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like he was, it's like, look at me being so busy. So I think he gets that, you know, what I do for work, um, you know, uh, but I don't think that he sort of associates it with anything other than that, you know, what he what he knows of that. That's so cute. Well, mm -hmm. kids got to love them. Got to hate them. So let's wrap up here with three standard closing questions that I ask sure. everybody to end the episodes. The first one, just very simply, is what motivates you? What motivates me? Ooh. Um, I love to be a part of projects that I'm passionate about and to work with the best possible people. Like, I get so excited when the people around me are so talented and I really have to work to get up to their level. You know, and that I, that they teach me something, that they challenge me to be better than I am, or to grow in ways that are super scary. So that that motivates me. I just think there's so many incredibly talented people around, and uh, and I just want to be working with all of them and have them around me because I think it mm. makes me better. So always be that's learning. always be learning, right? And it's yeah. never you're never it's never too late to learn something new. Um, yeah. So, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path? Hmm, that's a great question. I mean, I guess we kind of tackled it already, and it sounds probably really cheesy, but I always say the same thing, and I'm trying to see if it still resonates. But yeah, it's it, it resonates. It's you just you know be yourself. Like obviously, when you're playing a role, you're not playing yourself. But I think to tackle it authentically as the artist that you are, instead of trying to be somebody else, like you're never going to be somebody else. I'm never going to be any other artist than myself. I mean, I used to think about this all the time when I took over Carol from Jesse. I'm like, I'm not Jesse and I'm not never going to be Jesse. And Jesse was amazing in the role. 
And the only way that I'm also going to be amazing is to do it my way. And, you know, I think we just have to have faith. And if I could have told myself that to chill out a little bit more, maybe take myself less seriously and just trust my instincts and that I am enough, you know, that I don't have to be somebody else. I, I don't need to be validated by that. I can um, rest easy in my own skin and my own artistry that it is enough. Mm, okay. Last question. And mm. this is the hardest one. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Oh, God. Ooh, see a show. Oh, that's a hard one. That's a really, really hard question. I mean, it just sounds so dorky and so sort of traditional, but like my favorite musical of all time was Fiddler on the Roof. And I guess I just... It's so long and it's so, but I don't know if I could just watch that over and over again. I don't know. I mean, Hamilton is pretty great. I agree. I don't know. Maybe Hamilton. I love Hamilton. Right. It's one of the only ones I saw twice. I never see a show twice because there's always so much to see and definitely saw that one. Or, uh, oh gosh, what was that amazing one? Um, oh, um, David Byrne, you know? Um, oh, uh, here, uh, here lies, no, not Here Lies Love. Well, no. Here Lies Love is David Byrne now, but um, Utopia. Ah. Utopia. Yes. Yeah. That's another one that I saw twice because I just loved it. So I might see that one. I might say that one. Okay. That's the first for Utopia. I, I like it. I like it. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. So you had mentioned while about you that the album's coming out planned in October-ish timeline, right? Yep. And yes. then uh, in, if all goes well, it's going to be staged in the 24-25 season. And we're also going to the UK to do some concerts in the UK in London uh, of the concept album once it's released. So that's exciting. Nice. Well, that'll be fun. Okay. Uh -huh. um, where can we find you on social medias? Do you play that game? I do. I'm on the Instagram. So if you want to find me on the gram at Shalina Kennedy, um, I have a Facebook page. That's kind of all I do. Insta is really my my big one. I like threads now. Threads is sort of like uh, my new my new new because it's it's so it's still so small ish that it's nice. You can have like some personal connections with people. You should try it. Give it a try. Oh, that's good. Okay. I'm going to write it down. Threads. Yeah. Thread. It's it's Instagram's answer to X like shitting the bed. So there you go. Um, Got it. Yeah, I'm on Facebook, Threads, Instagram. I, I guess X can take a long walk off a short pier. I don't really care about that anymore. Um, leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now. Find more about me at thetheaterpodcast.com. Uh, Jukebox the Ghost gave us our intro outro music. We are listening to right now. And Shalina Kennedy, thank you so much. I've enjoyed this conversation so much. <laughs> me too. Thanks for having me. You've been awesome. Deep breath, make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise.